Hi there, and thanks for joining us. Well, we've spent a lot of time in the last couple of weeks talking about COVID-19. And while the challenges continue with the virus, it's time to maybe start talking about other things as well. The kind of businesses that we're going to be dealing a lot more with when this is all over, because it will be over someday. So let's turn our attention to the future. One of those companies is called Indemo. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. The Red Business Podcast with Jonathan Healy and McCarthy Insurance Group. Putting business in Cork first. MIG.ie Eugene Murphy is the founder of Indemo, and he's with me now. Eugene, how are you? Hi, Jonathan. I'm great, and thanks for having me on the show. Good to have you here. I mean, look, I know we said we're not going to talk about it, but I mean, how have the last few weeks been for you? I know you and your 20 colleagues in Indemo, everyone has been scattered to the four winds. How have you found remote working? Well, look, it's a bit bit bizarre, isn't it? It's a whole new normal. I think, um, you know, on a a personal level, uh, you know, you're locked at home. We've got four kids, um, wife Caroline, so we're all here. Um, it's obviously challenging, you know, employees are very isolated, so it's very important to bring them together online and things like Slack and, and tools like that. Um, you know, commercially for us, it's been very busy um, since, thankfully. So, um, you know, we have a technology that allows you to do research remotely. So, you know, we have a lot of people coming at us now looking for uh, a new way, I suppose, a futuristic way to keep doing research. Um, so for us, really, it's been very, very busy. Uh, on the personal front, quite challenging and quite bizarre, but um, business as usual, I'm thankful to report. We'll talk about the, the nuts and bolts of the business, but to, to give a shorthand version, it, it's an app on your phone that helps provide qualitative research. And we're going to go into that in just a minute and how it's kind of revolutionising that sector. But tell me a little bit about yourself, Eugene. You didn't, you didn't start with an app. What did you, what's your background? How did you get to this point in your career? So, um, yeah, so... Um, a crazy random meandering journey, I suppose, Jonathan, really. So, uh, yeah, so look, I uh, grew up in Blarney, um, you know, son of a farmer, um, did civil engineering in university. Um, and although I did civil engineering, my first job was actually in London. It was in investment banking technology. So I suppose I've always been looking over the ditch, I guess, always been kind of interested in new things. So I spent my first five years in London as a business analyst, as a product manager, working in technology for banking, okay, uh, which was an awesome experience. I guess that's where I got my... Uh, technology cred um, and then I came back to Ireland and um, ran an engineering consultancy here uh, during the Celtic Tiger boom property was very busy obviously uh, very successful phase but as that was coming to an end I was looking to do something different I was I was very excited about the potential of the internet very excited about the potential of doing business anywhere from Cork um, so we set up this company in in, in 2011 and uh, we decided to get into technology and, and give that a whirl Okay, it's it's a bit of a left turn at Albuquerque there to to start doing technology, <laughs> given your engineering background. I, yeah. I, I could I could see the draw of it, but did you have any idea what it was going to be when you made that decision? Um, I didn't really. You know, I was I was keen to travel. You know, um, I was working in Seville at the time, inside in inside in Cork, selling suits. So I guess uh, I had the gift of the Blarney. I guess so. Um, you know, we did some really strong interviews. A company called Salomon Brothers came to UCC. Um, you know, really excited by them. So it was a bit of a whirlwind, really. So, you know, from filling out an application form to being offered a job in one of the top investment banks, it was only 12 days. That was back in, wow, that was back in fourth year in college, right? So so I got this exciting opportunity, 
when I looked into it, this was almost pre-internet, believe it or not. So, you know, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity and they offered me the job. Um, so I said I'd give it a lash and I uh, went to London and spent a lot of time between London and New York then for five years. So it was an amazing opportunity. And I think really that's probably one of the messages here. I think, you know, education isn't really about what you've done. It's about what you can do in the future. Okay. okay. Yeah. So when I... Yeah. You know, so I think we're in the space where all the answers are on the internet now. So I think if you've got the right attitude and good work ethic, it's pretty much possible to pivot any degree or any qualification into something new. Well, the pivot uh, we'll come to in a minute. But when you started doing this, what was the first incarnation of Endemo? What What did you think it was going to be? So um, I've got four kids, uh, four wonderful kids, um, Kira, Kevin, Harry and Sarah. And, um, you know, back late uh, 2000s, I guess, early 2010s, you know, what I realized was I was, you know, kind of living their lives, their first five years for my phone. So I'd be getting messages from Carline, getting videos, getting pictures. So a lot of our best memories are being shared socially, right? So so the genesis of the company really was essentially private Facebook for families. So we set that up essentially as this kind of mashup between, you know, a private Facebook and, and that baby journal, right? So so the first product was called Tweakaboo, Tweets, Peekaboo, Tweakaboo, you know, Tweets about your kids. Um, and really it was a way for families to kind of capture and share moments privately in a safe place online using social networking style app. Uh, yeah, okay. but you see, the, the problem is WhatsApp came along and that had a very similar idea to yourself, didn't they? A hundred percent. So like things happen very, very quickly, right? And you have to adapt. So like literally Facebook was just launching. It still wasn't there. It was still very much in the universities and then WhatsApp rolled in and, and blew that out of the water. So it was very, very challenging. The product was awesome. Everybody loved it. But what I guess I learned as an entrepreneur is very few people actually needed it. And I think that's the difference between success and, and, and not being successful. It's want versus need, right? Mm. Well, it's about identifying your customer. That's sure. rule number one. If you're having a business, who's your customer and how can you sell to them? So it would have been probably quite difficult to to monetize that when there was so much competition in the market. We're back to that pivot now, aren't we? How did you pivot, Eugene, uh, towards market research and qualitative research? Yeah, so look, it was very interesting. So realizing very quickly that WhatsApp had taken over the kind of B2C play, we actually went after the brand. So we did some work with P&G out of Cincinnati. We did some work out of Singapore with some, you know, informal brands so the brands love the, the product as a way to kind of build a community around the brand okay so so we took that essentially private social network and we kind of evolved into you know a way for brands to connect with their their audience connect with their customers and kind of capture and share moments so it, it kind of morphed into user generated content play so we knew that the real opportunity was with brands initially we went in targeting the marketing departments but but it, it, here's the story right so i'm sitting in the office out in, in the Kinsale road round about mid 2015 and we got an email in from an anthropologist asking could they use essentially that private social network for um, a research methodology called mobile ethnography. Right. Now, I don't know what that is, so I'm guessing most people listening don't either. What is mobile ethnography? So there's two types of market research out there. So everybody's probably done surveys, which is essentially a quantitative research. Okay, so you get a pie chart, you've got structured questions, you know, five-point scale. So that'll tell you what percentage of your customers think about you okay so that's a pie chart quality of the research is much more psychological much more is you know it's anthropology sociology psychology so it's much more the fluffy stuff i guess from a research perspective so so mobile ethnography and so ethnographic research is a methodology where instead of meeting somebody in a focus group which we're all probably familiar with an ethnographer will go and actually visit you in your home they will visit you in your workplace and they'll talk to you and they'll observe you cooking your dinner or you know, going about your everyday work, for example. So it's an observational technique. But what it needs is it needs a researcher to actually travel to your place, to your home, to your workplace, and then basically watch you and, and talk to you and try and understand 
what you're doing, what you're thinking, what you're feeling when you're doing it. Now, Eugene, this is where it sounds like it gets kind of expensive. If you have to come and stand in front of somebody, that means you have to have an army of people going out doing the research. And that gets very expensive and puts people off. Correct. So there's two things, right? So it is very expensive. It's probably, you know, arguably one of the best forms of research, but you can't scale it, right? So, um, you know, you have to... And the benefit is everybody's probably done focus groups. So you get a bunch of people into a, sitting around the table for two hours. And what's happening in, in that forum, that's what people's uh, businesses typically do because it's cheaper, right? So it's cheaper to get six people come into a room and talk about something they did last week versus flying a researcher to six different locations um, to see what's happening now. Okay, so what we've done then, right, so it is very expensive. It's only the big brands could really afford it. And I think the, the great backstories are, I think, you know, the Heinz squeezy bottle that came out of ethnography, right? So, you know, an ethnographer standing in the kitchen, smacking a glass bottle of ketchup, you know, the squeezy bottle was something that surfaced through ethnography by a researcher standing in somebody's home watching their behaviors, right? So it is very, very powerful. You just can't scale it and it's very expensive. And poignantly right now, you need to travel. Okay, so what we did, uh, we started this in 2016 in, in anger, as they say. Um, we're taking essentially a private social networking style technology so that the brands, the researcher can sit at their computer in their office and interact over mobile with a consumer anywhere in real time. And instead of sitting in their kitchen, basically, the consumer takes a video of what they're doing right now. So if you want to understand how somebody cooks pasta, they take a video and they show you how they do it. If you want to understand how somebody uses your website, we have a capability called mobile screen recording where you can actually get the consumer to record how they search Google, for example, visit your website, navigate your website and buy on your e-commerce site. So it's very contextual and it scales. You can do it anywhere in the moment in real time. I, look, I, again, I have to use the old big brother analogy here. You're not going to sneak into someone's kitchen and stand over their shoulder. They buy into this and this is all compliant with all the rules, GDPR and, and so on and so forth, isn't it? One million percent, right? One million percent. So this is not a stealthy technology. So the, the member of the public is recruited. OK, so there are companies out there called recruiters. They'll, they'll source, you know, personas. So let's say if you're, um, if you're a bank in the UK, you're trying to understand how young professionals behave on payday. You will be contacted by a recruiter probably on social media. You'll be incentivized for a week to use our technology. You will sign an explicit opt-in. So everything is GDPR compliant. Information security is a pillar of what we do. We've just been certified for HIPAA um, compliance in the US right now for healthcare research. We're in the middle of an ISO 27001 process. So everything's above board. Everything's super secure. So the consumer then is paid to use our app to share information with these researchers, typically over the course of a week. Um, and then the researcher can sit at the dashboard, watch the videos, analyze the data and prepare the reports. And everything happens remotely without the need to travel. Uh, it, it, it makes it sound too easy, doesn't it? Because if you think about it, how difficult market research always has traditionally been, it's been the phone call. It's been the guy calling to the door. It, it's going to focus groups, which I was never a huge fan of at all the years that I've, I, I, I've seen focus groups in action. This makes it easy to see what's actually happening on the ground. Which brings me to the question, Eugene. Are you the first people that actually had the brainwave to think about this? So we're very early in the market for sure. Now, there are incumbent technologies. So there's been existing technologies out there for years. You know, there's been kind of online communities, which are kind of desktop chat rooms. You know, so, th so this has been this kind of push to digitize in-person research has... Um, has probably been there for quite some time. A lot of the existing technologies, though, have been kind of built in desktop era, and we were quite different. I think we were very lucky because essentially we had built entirely mobile first. Our whole core, our, like what's different about us is our core technology is essentially social networking style product. 
Okay. And if you think about it, Jonathan, people are tapping now before they're talking. They're recording TikToks um, before they jump on the phone and talk to you. Right. So what this is now, this is a mobile first technology that hit the market just at the right time. We had four years of R&D built into us. So we hit the ground running. And, you know, I think I do think we're genuinely market leaders in the space now. And the good thing is that you can deploy this anywhere globally. So it doesn't really matter that it is uh, a core company, but you'll have international companies uh, from Tokyo to London to Washington who can use your products to further their research. There really is a global element to this. A million percent. So like literally, we're like a 96% um, export revenue business. So 4% of our revenue is Irish. Okay. So... Literally, you know, and we, this is a bit cliche, but we literally have customers from Sydney to San Francisco, right? So um, just before the call this morning, I actually got, <clears throat> I was on the phone with KPMG in Tokyo, you know, their customer experience team, got in touch, um, heard about us through a referral from London. We we're going to have a demo with them Monday morning uh, over in Tokyo because they're interested in using the technology to, to do research over there. Our technology is localized into 10 different languages. It's available in every app store everywhere. So, yeah, it's incredible. And, you know, a lot of what we're doing now is multi-market research. So you may have an agency coming out of London representing a very large technology brand that we all use every day, trying to understand how people are using their technology in 10 different markets. So we've got a study ongoing right now with one of the top three brands and technology that we all use every day, um, trying to understand their user experience across nine markets. Okay, and again, um, it doesn't matter that you're an Irish company because the way the internet works, I'm guessing you're not flying to Tokyo next week given the current world environment. That's all going to be done remotely on on Skype or Zoom or whatever format there's going to be used. So you're in the room in Tokyo without having to go to Tokyo. Yeah, so I guess, you know, the room has gone online, right? The room has become virtual. So I think, um, like, we've been selling remotely from Cork um, for the last four years, three and a half years. Okay, so... We've done four business flights in four years, and that's to meet existing customers, right? So we, we have as a team the ability to sell remotely. And I think actually, you know, we've been doing it anyway. Probably back in the day when we pivoted, we didn't have the funds to jump on planes maybe. But that's how we've evolved. And um, I think that's the message for everybody listening here today as well, is that what this means, what's happening with COVID-19 right now is that people won't need to do business anymore. So people will naturally buy and transact online over video. And when that happens... Essentially, geography is history, right? So it doesn't matter where you are anymore. As long as you've got a good product and the ability to do Zoom or a Skype or a Slack, you can sell anywhere. I mean, the, the, the running theory at the moment globally is that we will, instead of AD and BC, for the next while in commerce, we're going to do pre-COVID-19 and post-COVID-19 as, as the great metrics in time. Um that post-COVID-19 market is probably ripe for this kind of activity, given how much of a rush there has been to use technology. Those who've never used it before are now adept at it. Uh, those who didn't realise the capabilities that it had are becoming familiar with it. So the technological revolution is probably being advanced by all of the chaos that's going on right now. Well, I think there's two things. First of all, you know, McKenzie has been bashing on about digital transformation for the last decade. Bain have been talking about digital transformation for the last decades. You know, if you are not online now as a business, you're, you're really going to struggle. And I think what's really happened now is it's all been kind of compressed into, you know, 10 years of digital transformation is probably going to happen now in about three months. OK, um, so a couple of things, right? We are a technology that supports digital transformation. OK, um, a lot of the projects we do are existing traditional businesses trying to get online, trying to digitize across mobile desktop omni-channel okay 
Um, really, I think what's happened now is an accelerated digital transformation. But what I see this is, I think this is essentially the remote revolution. Okay, um, this is going to change how business gets done. It's changing how we work. It's changing how we interact. So essentially, now everything is going online. Um, you know, the technology is there now. Social networking is there. Everybody's connected. We're getting into 5G, uh, hopefully, right? So video on the go is possible now. So again, it's really, really interesting. I think it's, you know, in some businesses, it's a tsunami. Um, but I think business can adapt and move their businesses online and, and, and uh, sell products over the internet, even on Amazon or any other of those existing platforms. It is probably an opportunity. Yeah, and again, you're you're doing this with support as well. And and you look, you mentioned KPMG there. Obviously, that kind of support is hugely important to you as you're scaling globally, not just domestically, but globally. Yeah. So look, I think support comes in many. So you know, KPMG has been phenomenal for us, right? So so we engaged with KPMG way back in the day. Um, we're they're very proactive on strategy. Our 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 partner there is Michael Lynch and Cork. Um, phenomenal. You know. I'd advise anybody to go talk to KPMG early, right? Because what you want to do, especially when you're doing exports, so like we're selling into, you know, 60 different countries. So we're actively partnering KPMG to get ahead of those markets and figure out what all the legislation and impacts are for doing business internationally. Um, they've been huge supporters of us. They've been very patient creditors back in the day. Thank you very much. Um, so I think, so, you know, KPMG, Enterprise Ireland, like these journeys, you need support. So I think Enterprise Ireland has been phenomenal as well. So they're an investor in our company. Our development advisor, Rita Guinan, she was on the phone with me last night at 9 p.m., right, talking about supports. So, like, Enterprise Ireland are phenomenal as well, so we're very, very mm. thankful for them. I think the other major supporters is my wife, Caroline. So, we're <laughs> on this crazy journey, right? Round of applause for Caroline, everybody. Well done, Caroline. <laughs> Let's give props for Caroline. You know, so she's very active in the business now, trying to raise four kids and keep this going. These are kind of crazy journeys. So, I think, you know, as an entrepreneur, you need all those supports. And, again, we're very thankful, very grateful. But look, there's there's a good business in most people. Um, the vast majority don't activate it. They they let it fester and annoy themselves in the back of their head. Your journey fascinates me, Eugene. From from the young lad selling suits and savills to uh, going into engineering to eventually meandering your way to the point at which now you have a saleable product that that people are interested in using. How often do you have to say to yourself, "No, I need to listen to this person." I need to trust that person. And how often do you say to yourself, no, actually, I need to trust myself here because I know I'm right and someone else is wrong? That's a very interesting question, actually, right? So I think, um, you know, in business, so what I've learned, right? So in business, the only person you should be listening to is the person who's handing over cash and paying you, right? Um, so, you know, again, listen to your wife, right? So, like, we started off this company. Oh, no, I, I, I always listen to your wife. I mean, that, oh, yeah, that is, exactly. that's a given. But, like, you know, she was the one who said we should do this, right? So, back in the day, and, and, and here we are, right? But I think really what I've learned is don't listen to the people who think you've got a cool idea. Don't listen to the people who say that's awesome. Listen to the people who are handing over the cash, right? Because the cash is the only kind of filter that matters when it comes to taking the signal from the market or not, okay? And really, my lesson is we were building a product initially that people loved, and wanted and that was a nice to have but that's not a business now what we have is a product product that people need and the difference is night and day so i think you know and again we are a 100 percent customer driven business right so we've been building this to customer feedback for the last four years i think that's why the business is growing so strongly where does it go now where where, where do you see endibo going next because again we're in regrettably we're in the middle of a, a very sharp economic crisis caused by COVID-19 um, yeah. 
what happens next? I mean, how confident are you for the future amid that chaos? Well, look, I, I think, you know, you look at all the purchasing manager indexes, right, indices, and like this is a tsunami, right? So I think um, extremely uncertain quarter ahead of us, okay? Um, my, my gut says, you know, we've got colleagues working in China. They're back at their desks now, okay? Business as usual, okay? The cinemas are closed, okay? Um, and they might be wearing masks in the office, but basically they're back to business. So, like, we, my personal horizon is, I said this to my team two weeks ago, is, lads, let's hunker down here for eight to ten weeks. Let's just develop a new routine. Let's get through this because, you know, we will get through it, right? So, um, you know, the government have been very proactive. I think the supports that are out there are absolutely necessary. I think the whole economy has been booming. Right. That shouldn't change overnight. It's just the commerce has really stopped. So I think with all the government support that people can stay in business for the next six or eight weeks, it will certainly get back to normal. It'll be a new normal, but it will get back to normal. I think long term for us personally um, and business generally, I think this is going to change. This is an opportunity to really massively transform. So I think business need to look at digitizing, need to look at some sort of an online component. And that could be as simple as using LinkedIn right um for sales lead generation so it's not a massive amount of work i think personally for us we're very excited about the potential like you know we work in food you know brands like kerry should be talking to us you work in pharmaceuticals you look at the gsks and the lilies you know we're we're supporting projects right now that are researching COVID 19. you know universities we've got huge um inbound from universities right now we're doing a project with dcu kicking off next week understanding the impacts of, of COVID 19. so so for us personally i think it's business as usual hopefully i think we'll take a hit this quarter um but i'm i'm very um i'm very optimistic i think about the long-term potential of this and ireland will come back cork will come back you know again the real message here jonathan is you can sell anywhere now so you don't have to be in the states to sell to the states because people are talking to you on videos the same thing people won't want to meet face to face anymore so much so i think now as i say geography is history after this and i think cork businesses can can tap into global markets just by jumping on slack and jumping on linkedin Eugene, if anyone is looking to find out more about the business or thinks it might be for them, what's the website? How can they contact you? So, yeah, indemo.com, I-N-D-E-E-M-O, indemo.com. A um, couple of shouts out. If any businesses in Ireland looking to, you know, digitise their research or kind of do research remotely, especially the universities of pharma looking into, um, you know, this COVID-19 situation, we're very keen to support them there. Um, the other thing is we're hiring, okay? So info at indemo.com. Um, we're looking for salespeople. We're looking for ops, customer success engineers. Um, so, yeah, indemo.com, I-N-D-E-E-M-O. And uh, we'd appreciate if people could reach out. Eugene, a fascinating journey. Thank you for bringing us on it with you. And we wish you and the team at Indemo the very best of luck into the future. Awesome. Jonathan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. My thanks to Eugene and all the team at Indemo and the very best luck to them in the future as they continue to navigate uh, the waters ahead of us all. Don't forget, you can download every episode from redextra.ie. Myra Hayes-Goff was the producer and we'll catch you on the next one. Red Business with McCarthy Insurance Group. Putting business in Cork first. MIG.ie.